Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to share this podcast with you. Um, this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done. It's slightly long. I debated doing it in two parts, but you know what? It's okay. You can take your time and listen to it with care and tenderness as I did while interviewing. Um, of course, you can hear that music under me, I'm sure. That's none other than Sharon, Lois, and Bram. And I am so excited to welcome Sharon and Bram to our podcast. And I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed making it. Thank you for listening. Have a good time. I have a slew of questions from a whole bunch of people, but I would love to know where you're all at right now. What are you guys doing? Because you are semi-retired, but kind of not really because you're so busy. We're still still doing shows. The schedule is not as, as much as it was before. It's loose. Very loose. We we eliminated one whole part of our career this year. For a number of years, starting with, with the trio days, we used to do school shows. And we'd go into a central hall, often most often a church. But we didn't do those with with Lois. The early days we did school shows and they those were shows that we did based on our office organizing we played at we didn't do two trio shows with Ruth I don't think not then not early days no okay no not not early early days and then and then when we started doing them with Ruth I don't think we ever did them with Lois oh okay Lois my my memory feels different but Lois came in to a couple of shows when Joe was dying she came in and replaced me a couple of times oh okay so what what these shows were we would do three 55-minute shows oh in a day. And they would bus loads of kids in and out, three loads of kids in and out. And and they were separated. The shows were separated, if we were lucky, by 30 minutes. But often Some, not. Often not because the buses would be late, the kids would come in late, so we'd have a shorter break. It was it was killer well we we did that for quite a last number of years we liked it we liked doing those shows we liked the kids we liked doing that but but we realized that we were suffering from exhaustion yeah and and threat to health and so finally we said we'll do we'll do two shows a day not three and she said i can't make it work that way she had her her business plan you know, with money in and money out and expenses and what she needed to make to make her nut. And she said, can't do it. We said, so long. See ya. Because we just didn't want to do three shows a day anymore. And it also it also invi- involved traveling to and from the venue. So the shows, we often would leave our home at 7 in the morning. Or earlier. Or earlier to get and, you know, to have a highway drive and then do three shows and then drive back. It was two, and we were done by, by 2 o'clock we were done, so you can imagine how concentrated it was. So we're not doing that anymore, and though we miss singing with the children because that was fun, um, we don't miss the, the... I mean, we don't have to work that hard. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so that is one element that... Uh, is gone from our work and I'm not sorry <laughs> but, but it, it took up you know we did it for a good number of, of weeks during the autumn and then in the spring and of course you know we don't do winter shows because Bram has been away for, for the winters so we do spring and summer and autumn okay 
And the thing is, when you know there aren't, there's not a huge number of shows. We had a very busy year last year. Not exactly sure why, but we did. I think um, oh, because live came out, and so there was some the live album. Right, there was, was a lot PR of PR around that. A lot then, of PR around that. And then we had a Skinnamarink contest. Yeah, you know about that. Oh, I do. It was very cute. Yeah. So there was media. There was stuff around that. So that made for a slightly busier year. Yeah. It's been a little uh, as a matter of fact, our, our PR was so much that that it was almost like, in a sense, we were reborn. Briefly. Briefly in the public eye. You know, it comes and goes, but it came. Okay. And of course, a highlight was when we did Pride, <clears throat> and there we were being care. You know, being marched down Young Street. On a, on a on a, uh, a bicycle driven double sized r- rickshaw mm-hmm. kind of deal, L- looking like a wheelchair. Looking like a wheelchair, they thought that we were crippled or something. <laughs> but there we were, and quite unbeknownst to us, when people saw who it was, we had little skin and rink signs. They started singing skin and rink, and for miles they sang skin and rink, one group after another after another on both sides of the road. It was absolutely thrilling. That was a highlight. It definitely was something that a lot of us friends that have connected through you guys didn't expect, but was so awesome to see and was great to see the videos that showed up on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I mean, it was insane. It was so awesome. Yeah, you know, it wasn't our idea. It was our PR person's idea who was running this whole Skinner Marine business. But she didn't have to convince us. Mm-hmm. I think... The suggestion came to us, not from. Um, that's that's right. You're right. We were on it, breakfast television. Right. It came from one of the hosts of a TV show. We, we were, were on doing. breakfast television, and we were there. It was our third <clears throat> appearance, second or third appearance there, and it was the day after Orlando, the horror horror of Orlando. And someone, after we performed and talked, somebody sent the host a note saying how wonderful it was after the horror of Orlando to see something that just make, made you feel good and happy. And she said to us, you guys should be in the Pride Parade. Right. And then and Victoria then, took, then, took then it our PR person made the and whole made thing it happen. happen. And we were, th- you know, we were thrilled. We'd okay. never been invited, and it was perfect. Well, there's... There's. Uh, I just got I'm an eating, email. I'm eating while we're chatting. I just got an email from uh, ACTRA, which is the Association of Canadian Television Radio Artists, and they they're going to have a as they have in the last number of years a delegation of actor people in the Pride Parade this year. So really? they're inviting actor people to come and walk. That's terrific. With them. Yeah. Are you going to go? I think I might. I think you should. You won't I won't be, be here. here. I'm sorry about that. 1978. You're coming up on 40 years. We are. How on earth? There are so many people. Yeah, well, there's so many people that have contributed to the industry and yet don't have 40 years behind them. What do you think was your secret? It's hard to know. I think, I think, I think we found something in ourselves that was genuine. That wasn't, it wasn't showbiz, really. It was just an expression of, of, of who we were and what we loved to do. And, like, we didn't have a business plan. We didn't have a PR plan. We didn't, we didn't have any plan. It was just, it grew organically out of our own personalities. And I guess those personalities were okay. 
And the, in terms of the longevity, I mean, of course, nobody knew. First of all, when we started, we we start our, our goal when we started was to make a record and nothing else. And we went back to our individual careers, and and it really was the response to the album that that um, triggered the the career. And in terms of, I mean, most groups break up because of relationship problems. And I don't know whether it's because we're older and we're married and we were married and we had long-term relationships in the, in the personal parts of our lives. I don't know what it is exactly, but we managed to weather those storms. There were storms. I mean, three people trying to work things out. You know, we had our, we had our challenges for sure, but somehow we made our way through them. And, um, and the response to what we were doing was, you know, it, 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 gives you you know you get so much from it that that uh triggers us to do better and and of course and we did get better i mean we learned a lot we were innocent oh my goodness but we sure learned along the way well we learned because we were inspired to to challenge ourselves doing different things we learned by bringing in the top people who had the knowledge and experience to help us become better musicians, better singers. Um, and uh, people, you know, um, orchestrators, band leaders, vocal arrangers. Uh, uh, Joe Hampson, Sharon's husband, was one of our, was one of our major vocal arrangers. Uh, but we had others as well. But Joe taught you how to sing harmony. Joe taught me how to sing harmony. He said, don't think of it as a harmony. Learn it as a melody. Oh. oh. Learn it as a melody. That's your melody for that part of the song. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd go off and I'd learn my melody. <laughs> because your, really, really. Your mindset impacts the way you learn absolutely now i had never i had never sung in a group of, uh, um, harmonizing with other people it was a whole new experience for me sharon had lois not so much i don't lois need to learn i sang i sang harmony for a long time in the early part of our career i did not get to sing melody <laughs> because i could be relied on for the harmony which you know, at some point it became frustrating, but it was a process that, you know, we all got better at different stuff mm-hmm. and the same stuff. I, my grandson interviewed me for a little uh, project, school project the other day, and he asked me for some something that I learned in the process, um, uh, you know, of, of the career. Anyway, he was asking me for some piece of advice that was significant for me, and I said to him, we had a a director on The Elephant Show. He started with us on The Elephant Show. His name was Stan Swan. And we learned a lot from him. And Stan said, you know, you guys are used to playing to a big hall full of people. And when you do that, you're really playing to the last row. On television, you're playing to one kid in the first row. So that was a very significant piece of advice. And then when we didn't get it right, which was not, I mean, it happened it happened, of course. He'd say, you're playing to Australia. <laughs> then we really got it, huh? That's so interesting. 
it's terrific. It was a great lesson. Yeah. Well, sometimes, like, you know, on the, the, the television that we did in the elephant shows, for example, <laughs> had a number of different elements. Now, one of them was the little skits that we did mm-hmm. with the kids that included interplay and songs, etc. And that's where we were playing like this. But there were other parts, the, and the camera was a very intimate partner in that. But the other parts where we were doing the concerts, we were playing to the audience, to a whole audience. Plus the at-home audience. And the camera was back here. And it was taking in the whole dynamic of, of, a, of a public concert with a few hundred people in the audience. So that was a whole different thing. And there we, we could play to Australia. Right. So we learned a lot doing television. It was we learned every step of the way. We learned recording. We got you know, and we you know so much of what we did over the years, so much was was a collaboration with a lot of really good people. And for the most part, I think people enjoyed working with us, and it was fun. And we were open to other people's ideas, and so we were lucky. You know, you never stop learning. Yeah, I'm seventy six. And I learned something last year that had never occurred to me. Um, at the very beginning, there were two record distribution companies who had heard about our recording and wanted wanted to release One Elephant to Zelifon on our behalf. There was Almada and the other guys in Ottawa, and I yeah. can't remember them. Harvey Glatt. Harvey, it was Harvey. treble class. <clears throat> exactly. I can't remember so. where I put my keys, and I remember that. <laughs> so I, I ran into Harvey Glatt in, in a social situation last year. So this is since 1978. Seven, yeah. And he said to me, Bram, I have to tell you, how hurt I was. Oh, boy. That, not that you didn't go with me. Right. But you didn't tell me that you were going with somebody else. You told me nothing. Oh, that's terrible. It was terrible. And we both knew him. Lois didn't know him, but you and I knew him. I mean, I played in, we had a club in Ottawa called Le Ibu, Mm -hmm. and we had played there individually. Never occurred to me. No. And he taught me a serious life lesson. Yeah, about how you do business. How how to do business. How you treat people. Yeah. And the reason we chose the other one, they would have been equally good, I'm sure, but the other one was so aggressive pursuing us. I remember saying to to the, the others that, if he's half as aggressive selling our product, we're going to be in good hands with him. <laughs> yeah. And we were. He did very, very. You know, it's a Montreal company. They did very, very well for us. Amazing. Yeah, it was. It was good. So in in forty years, you guys have gone through. Every, I mean, really, everything imaginable from marriages to passing of family members to highs of career, television, recording, new TV shows. How do you manage to do it all together? I mean, sometimes in situations like that, people tend to pull away and want to be by themselves. And you guys have managed to come through it 40 years strong. Well, the the, the gaps between activities in these last couple of years have been wider. Mm-hmm. So we have had times to do that. I mean, I go away every winter. I keep in touch, you know, almost daily, but I'm not on the ground. Uh, 
Sharon, you've been you've done more traveling in the last little while than than before. Yeah, I've done a lot of traveling. Um, the interesting thing is that our spouses all died in the same month, November, of many different years. Oh, wow. Three. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really interesting, Roy, the, the reactions. You know, you know Lois's story. When Ernest died, it just took the joy out of her. And she tried. But she tried a few times, and she said, I just can't do this anymore. I don't have the... I don't have the, the, the enthusiasm that's being sucked out of me. To when, tour. To, to tour. When Sharon's husband, Joe, died, Sharon said, there have been two things in my life that I've loved, my husband and my music, and I've lost one of them. I'm sure not going to give up the other. Mm-hmm. I also love my family. <laughs> <laughs> but the point was that... I, that you know, like a big chunk of the way I lived my life was gone, and I wasn't going to give up the other big chunk. And Bram said he worried about, he wondered if I would, if I would feel the same as Lois, but not for a second did I feel that no, way. No, and me too. And I knew, you know, I I've had a lot of hardships during our career. You know, I've had breast cancer and many many surgeries and all of that stuff, and I know how performing and the love that comes at us from the audience is healing Absolutely. I know how good that is for me so that's I'm lucky for that I mean in doing research I I didn't realize how aggressive your battle was and when it happened and what were you were doing career-wise around those times and it's so empowering that you stuck through it and let music be that guide for you I think that's really amazing well you do what you do, I guess. As hard as that could be, I'm sure. But oh and, my goodness! I mean, the first time we were we were in pre-production for Elephant Show, and they we had a meeting at my house before I went to have my my biopsy. Um, so and nobody knew except Lois and Bram and and my husband. And they all came to the house and ate bagels except me because I couldn't eat before surgery. And then I went to the hospital and then had the surgery, found out I had breast cancer and came home and, you know, your life has changed forever. So, but, you know, it, it wasn't so terrible. I mean, it was horrible at the time. It was horrifying. It was terrifying. I, you know, the first thing you think is you're going to die. Yeah. But I didn't. And uh, we carried on a few weeks later and, you know, they sent people home for a couple of weeks and then we carried on Which again. is a major thing. You should shut down a, a production. Full television production which has taken months and months and months to put together and then they shut it down for a couple of weeks it's 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 significant but i i i always felt like i had full support Mm -hmm. uh, of everyone around me that nobody was angry or bitter or upset about about the delays or the cost or whatever and the only accommodation that they made for me it wasn't that time, it was the next time. There was no accommodation then other than a delay of two weeks. And then the, the next time in 93 was our last year. And I had, I'm so confused. 
it was 93 that I had breast cancer the second time, and that was last year. No, I've got this wrong. 84, we started TV. 88 right, was the, the first breast cancer and the last year. And that year, they accommodated me by, by having someone drive me to work in the morning. I had a, a driver, and that was it. And my first day back was probably the hardest day. Oh, my God. You had a dance routine to do and yeah, song to do. And in the heat of the day, Sen and Senna. Have you seen the Sen and Bombs? That was your first day back? Yep. Oh it, was a, it was a killer. And uh, it was really interesting. Before you shoot, of course, you've got to, you've got to block the, the, the actors and, and the cameras. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, often there's a stand-in for that, so that the artist can, you know, be fresh and ready. Well, first but we re- first we rehearsed it completely with me. Yeah. Then I went to get makeup and, and wardrobe. And uh, and then they did the blocking with Don Calderwood. Don, who, did, who set it up? Who did the choreography? He did the choreography. He put, I think he put on the jacket. He might have. <laughs> and and he danced his way all the way through and it was complex there yeah. was you know sidewalks and it was outside and, exactly on the street yeah it was a great number <laughs> I'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry that uh, you, so you would like to meet Don he's a wonderful guy he's retired now yeah. from doing that he doesn't do any dancing but he was such a good teacher oh, he taught he's us. the first one I call a, a bit at first and then Don really taught us to move and, and do choreography. He, yeah. he made a big difference. I, I was the biggest klutz of the three. Star. And still are. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. A good, a good thing that comes out of, uh, out of tragedy. When my wife, Ruth, was very, very ill, and we knew that she was going to die, we had an engagement to play at the the children's festival in in Winnipeg, and I was torn. Yeah, I was torn. Can I go up there for that weekend or however long, and be away from Ruth and not know what was really happening? And I and you said, Bram, don't go. That's cancel. And I took her advice, and I said, can't do it. Sorry. And they. They put in our stead Al Simmons. Do you know about Al Simmons? I don't think so. Look him up. I will. Look, look him up. He's a, he's fabulous. He's fantastic. We've known him since like 1979. He's a he's a musical clown. Very with, clever. With, with incredible songs and funny shticks. Really, really funny. Huh. Google. Check him out. I sure will. We love him. <clears throat> so they put Al in our place, which we were very happy to know because we knew him and liked him a lot. And he took a big piece of Bristol board and he took it around after his show to the whole audience saying, Bram's wife is very sick. How would you like to send a, um, sign this card for her? And he sent me this whole large card full of greetings from a couple of hundred people Wow! from that show. You know, that was... He is a very decent man. That's beautiful. Yeah. We have, you know, we have had experiences like that that are significant in our lives. Not thousands of them. A few, but they they remain with you forever. Absolutely. That's fantastic. 
Yeah. So going through your career, who were your mentors in terms of musical mentors? Well, for me, the one I idolized was Pete Seeker. And we once got a compliment from someone talking about our, our singing at a concert and how it felt like a Pete Seeker event. That was well, and, and, and the fact that that our our modus operandi was same as Pete's: teach him the song and get him to sing it. With you. Exactly. <laughs> and but all we added to that was some actions as well. And so, I mean, he was a role model that we, and he's also a. Uh, he was also a very uh, a man to be admired for his values and his all the things that he stood up for and even when even when it cost him so I admired him immensely um, I think you did too oh oh absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, my first uh, my first uh, role model I think was Theodore Bickel you don't know who that is either Theodore Bacall was a European actor, singer, and he loved, uh, he was a good guitar player, and he loved singing in many languages. So he sang in English, of course, and French and Spanish. He sang in Russian, he sang in Slovenian, he sang in Turkish. And I thought, my God, what a wonderful thing to be able to do and to engage an audience. Right. And so I... <clears throat> some of my the first songs that I learned were from his repertoire wow. so when you if you ever hear me sing when you hear Russian songs do you suffer that's one of my least favorite songs <laughs> he didn't write that but he sang it and I got it from him that's so cool. it's, on, it's on my solo on CD on your CD which I do have yeah so you've heard it. I sure have. So, uh, gosh, let me ask some of these questions because there's some really great questions. If you could tell your 17-year-old self anything, what would it be looking back? <laughs> I would tell my 17-year-old self, stay in high school. You just got a few more months to go and then you'll graduate. This, this my, I left school because I got caught up in the whole folky thing and uh, broke my parents' hearts doing it. The, thing, the question is, you wonder, if you had done something differently than what you did, would the world have unfolded the way it did? Mm -hmm. So if I had stayed in school another few months, who knows? Maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have happened to Von Lois and Bran and yeah. all of that. I mean, you and I knew each other. But yeah, but only in, in passing. So I, that's the one thing I probably would have done, and which has nothing to do really with the career, other than putting it off a little longer. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have said said to myself. At 17. At 17. Practice harder. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know. I, I've had a number of people tell me that during those years, during my teens and, and uh, 20s, that I was really hot looking. <laughs> and and I, I said, oh my, you know, and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> what a waste of hot. That's right. I could have gotten a whole lot more girls than I got. Uh, <laughs> just fine. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. Is there a song that you have wanted to record, but you haven't or didn't, I guess? I can't think of one. We have songs that we like that we 
cannot record. Mm-hmm. Like songs about, you know, um, um, death and dying. Death and dying. <laughs> Mar- marital uh, uh, incons- inconsistency. We have a few songs that we've done. Bram and I have done a couple of um, house concerts for adults, for, which are for adults, not for children. And they're they're fun for us. I mean, we sing a lot of the songs that we sing anyway, but we also sing some other songs that we know from our old folky days that are fun to sing, but we would never sing for um, children. They're well, just not like, appropriate. Like um, Long Black Veil, for example, which is a country song yeah. about... But a, a man who hangs, and the reason he hangs is because... His excuse or his uh, defense was that he was in the arms of his best friend's wife. So he didn't do the killing, but he got hung for it. But because, he couldn't. He couldn't give his proper alibi. So that wouldn't work for the children. That would well. be a twist. That would be a twist. That would <laughs> yeah. be different. No. But we have songs, you know, that, that we, we that, that we like, but we, it's not appropriate. But I, you know, I mean, it's hard to even remember when we when we have worked on a. Uh, on an album, what we do is start pulling together long lists of songs, and then we start whittling down the list. So there are probably songs on, if we could ever find those long lists, there are probably songs that we did not go for, but or not because we didn't like them, but maybe because the others were more important or felt more connected. But nothing springs to mind right now, although there are those who think we should make another album, just the two of us. I may be some of those people, but I, you know. <laughs> it's been suggested. It's been suggested that it would be appropriate for the fortieth. That would be fun. Yes, it would be. Fun. So we're thinking about. Okay. Yeah. So if you have any great song suggestions, send them our way. <laughs> All right, I will. But this would be this would be repertoire that the trio hadn't done before. We okay. try to find new stuff. Find new stuff. Of course, we would. Never forego skin like No. Have you ever done a show without your guitar? A whole show? Yeah. No. No, I mean, we do some songs a cappella. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, my guitar is part of what I. And what even I do. in even on the TV shows, <laughs> I think you always at some point. Although maybe less so in Skin and Ring TV. Yeah, that's just the way the sh- the show was constructed. Yeah. No, not a whole show. Okay. There, so I was poring over some articles that I found online and in some databases, and there was a title that struck that stood out to me that I've never heard before, and it was Fun Times. You know, over the years, different companies have asked us permission and bought licenses to put our songs into compilations either just us in one compilation or sometimes us with a whole bunch of other artists. And we had no control over what they called them, with the design of the covers or anything like that, as we had over everything that we did. So So it sounds like that's probably Who knows? (laughs) I mean, I do have some of them here. There's some we don't even know of. Yeah, I'm sure. Is there an album that you guys have created that just stands out as one of the most fun you had promoting and the most fun you had in the studio? Why? No, they're they're all so much fun. Um, 
that it's hard to. I I have to say that our our first one elephant to Zelie Fong was 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 thrilling. Yeah. Looking back on it, or or listening back on it, we can see that we were beginners, mm-hmm. but we were beginners with. Uh, Good values. Good values and good repertoire. Yeah. Uh, and we, we made that work, and it it kind of, we didn't promote it. It sort of promoted us. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, we had, you, I'm sure you know, that we borrowed money from family and friends for that album. And we had a party to play it for them <clears throat> before it was out in public release. And so we had a party. And we had champagne, and we said, when are we going to pour? I mean, we were fussing over when, you know, will there be a break after each after each um, song. song, or when will we pour the champagne, and we were you know, struggling over all of that. In the meantime, they clapped after every single song. It was, I mean, to, to play it for the first audience was absolutely thrilling for us. And then? And then, what, three months you- later? No, that, oh, yeah. So that was in yeah. September, and right. in December, right. we had another party, and we had Christmas. People, I think people who gave us money for that never expected to see it back. But at, the, sure. at the Christmas party in December, we had Christmas crackers, and inside, which we gave to all of the investors, and inside the Christmas cracker, crackers was their check, the repayment. In full. So we were able to pay them back very quickly. Much to everyone's surprise. Yeah, I'm sure they all thought that they were supporting a good cause. Yeah, they believed. They absolutely believed. They they did it because they believed in us. And And hi, Sarek, who, who, along with his wife, Judy, had the children's bookstore and were very, very early supporters of us. We did openings, release parties at, at their store. Which were fantastic. Uh, a number of times. I said, I should have given, given you the whole the 20. Beating <laughs> <laughs> yourself up. Why did I give you the whole thing? <clears throat> and that time it was $20,000. $20,000. Which paid our lawyer and, and made a record. And I don't printed 5000 Yeah, I don't think you could do that now. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, it's probably getting cheaper you again. You know what, with... With these home um, home recording studios now, we're getting really high quality stuff, like gear, at affordable prices. You learn how to use it, you're golden. Yeah, it, it's probably more economical. Yeah. You have to find out about that. For your album, see, I'm just saying, yeah. could be helpful. As a matter of fact, we were in a real recording studio the other week, first time in years. It was fabulous. We a do. Fabulous you know, are you familiar with a, uh, an American rock group called Need to Breathe? Yes. Well. You are. Yes. Oh, have you met? Uh, have you met online at least, uh, uh, Josh Lovelace? Yes. So he, Josh Lovelace is a great friend uh-huh. to us now, and uh, so you tell him. Uh, uh, and I'm Josh show him. is writing some songs. To make a children's album. Oh, cool. And he wrote a song called um, Daddy, Won't You Sing a Song for Me? Mm. And he asked us if we would participate vocally in the recording of that song. So he sent us a dummy track, a 
with his lead ghost vocal on it. And Elaine uh, Overholt. Just worked with us, worked with us over the years. About yeah. Worked with us to put together the vocals for it. And we went into a real professional recording a studio. beautiful, lovely studio that we were not familiar with. <clears throat> and we recorded with him. He replaced his vocal with a real vocal, and we added ours. And it was a real pleasure oh, we doing were, that. We were thrilled, and he was extra thrilled. So it, it, it turned out to be, I mean, he's when he wrote, he said, you know, he told us what he was doing and that he'd have children and he was starting to write songs for them. And the more he wrote, the more he thought he had an album in him. So he asked us and and I wrote him back and I said, I wrote him back and I said, you I could tell that you put a lot of care into this message because he asked it in such a nice way with no pressure. And um, and then I sent it to Bram, and I thought, oh, God, I hope we both like the song. And we love the song. We love it. Elaine loves it. And he said it's it's like the best day of his life. It was, it was a thrill for him. It's fantastic. I can't wait to hear it when it was. His wife was there. His two kids were there. Yeah, his little boy is the most adorable little thing. Henry? Henry. Bram. Henry Bram. Lovelace. <laughs> and and such a delightful kid. Oh my god, we had so much fun with him. That's amazing. They're a lovely family. Now that brings me to a really great question is what do you guys feel like the children's music industry is today as opposed to when you guys were really into it? First of all, I have to say we don't really don't know we're not keeping track. Mm-hmm. But I don't but, have I, but yeah. The other part is Nobody's doing what we did. I don't think anyone ever did what we did. There were some people who did some version of it, but nobody who ever did. A lot of people wrote their own songs, and they were teachy songs, and we hate that. And uh, that's how we feel about it. I mean, sometimes they're good, but very often they're, they're so focused on the message that they don't turn out to be nice songs. Um, not that not that learning doesn't happen listening to course, ours, but exactly. it's not overt. Exactly. And it's not and it's not planned sneak we don't sneak it in. Yeah. It just happens. Exactly. So if we sing Jenny Jenkins, then they're obviously learning learning about colors and about rhyming. But Jenny Jenkins is a terrific song all by itself. Right. So um, so I don't have the sense that there's I think I'm right in saying that we're saying that there's nobody out there who does anything like what we did. Kids are, what young kids are exposed to now concerns me because it's to a different kind of music and a different kind of message. And it's it's not like the, the beauty of what we did was that the messages were innocent. The, the act of coming to our concert was a family it was a family experience people did this stuff they had fun so when we meet people your age which we do not infrequently they're they really talk about remembering their childhood and sometimes they get weepy and i always say you know you're feeling emotional because you're remembering happy times as a child these are good emotions not and some people are don't not everyone has those happy emotions but they feel a good connection with us so there was some some goodness in that 
Has there ever been a gift that somebody presented you with that you were like, I don't know what to do with this? <laughs> Where do we put it? Well, what people have made us works of art of various kinds and framed embroidery, uh, often uh, picturing elephants and, and musical notes and, you know, lovely creative things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you say, this is beautiful. Now what do now I do? Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> The gifts, you know, the real significance gifts are the relationship gifts. Right. You know, we 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 didn't make a million friends along the way, but we made mm-hmm. some, and those friendships are significant. Mm-hmm. So we have people that we look forward to seeing when we're when we do travel to other places. I mean, we've got friends in Nova Scotia. Those are the friends in Nova Scotia that that's a very significant relationship because they were the first ones to bring us there. They brought us to in the to benefit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation because they had two children with cystic fibrosis. Who each who both died as adults. And we you know we knew those kids well. We, we, we were in their lives frequently, and we know their family, their parents very well and feel very connected to them. So, and we have a friend in, on the West Coast, Susan Mendelson, who, with whom we had many fun adventures. She's a chef and a, and a fabulous baker, and we had a lot of good times with her, spent holidays with her, I'm trying to think we, of others. We have, we have a family in Arizona. Oh, for sure. Mary Porter and her three adopted sons. She's a single woman. Very unlikely for that era and that location. Yeah, single mother. Never married. Who adopted three boys separately. Wow. Each one of whom turned out to have serious medical issues. Well, when when we first knew her, her oldest son, Josh, had kidney had a kid, a kidney issues and and they felt that he was he might not live and he we met him because we met them because he was a wish child so they they brought Josh and his siblings his two brothers and his mother and his grandmother, grandmother. and a cousin to Toronto and it was the year the last year we were filming I think elephant show and they spent a week here and we stayed in touch with them for years and years and years and eventually and all well, beaten, they've all beaten their health issues. I think Daniel didn't have anything. Daniel had a Daniel a had, had a, a speech issue. He uh, had trouble learning how to speak properly. Meanwhile, he little little shrimpy guy turned into a muscle man and, and a marine. Oh no! They all have families. They all have, no. Josh doesn't have a family, but Josh had a successful kidney transplant. What's in, so we, you know, and and also there's a family in Ottawa who have a, a disabled daughter. She's intellectually limited. They used to come to our concerts year after year after year in Ottawa. We do three in a day there, and then one year, the father phoned me. My number's in the phone book, so he phoned me. And he told me about the family and who they were. And I said, so we said, okay, let's make a plan to meet. The next time we went to Ottawa, we were doing public service announcements. So we had to go to a recording studio. It was pro-vaccination, pro-inoculation message. So we went to... We got letters. Oh, boy. People sent back... We got letters. And people sent back our product. They're wrong. Really? Yeah. One guy. There's a... One guy. It's a very powerful um, 
um, what do you call it? The resistors. Yeah. A very powerful movement. They're wrong. They're misguided, so wrong. They're people. so wrong. Anyway, we met in the recording studio and they brought Jennifer and Jennifer is a big girl by then. And then we went back to our hotel for tea. And I always remember this because the family, I, you know, I think that with the, in a family like that, the, the disabled person can, um, be more than you would expect based on the behavior of the rest of the family. So we're in a restaurant in the hotel having tea. And I, the mother says, Jennifer, we're in a restaurant and you're talking too, you're talking too loudly. You, you need to talk more quietly because we're in a restaurant. And I was so impressed. I mean, she didn't scold her. She just helped her to learn a better behavior that would make her look better. So I, I've always, always remembered that. Now, years later, they, they've had wonderful care for her. They've had two caregivers. She's in her 30s. They've had two caregivers over the years. I mean, ever after that, they would come to all of our shows. We'd arrange tickets for them. But a number of years ago, was the year that Ruth died? Seven years ago? She died seven years ago? Oh, nine. So it's going to be eight, seven and a half years. Yeah. So that year they were in touch with us saying, and we were going to play in Ottawa, but before that they were making a party for her because she said she'd been at a lot of weddings. A lot of her family and friends have had parties, and when is she going to have her party? They made a party for her. They flew us. Bram couldn't come then, but Lois and I flew to Ottawa for the day. They had a, in a hotel, a luncheon, they had video, they had speeches, she wore her special dress, except her mother could not persuade her to not wear the cowboy boots. <laughs> that was the Katie Lang. Yeah, we sang, it was, it was such a sweet thing, it was, a, it was lovely. And also there's, the, there's a family from Greece who have a Down syndrome daughter. And they, she was born here in Toronto, and then the family went back to Greece, and they subsequently had two more kids. And they came to Toronto for a visit. I think it was in the winter you were away. And, I don't know them. Oh, uh, they're, they're amazing. So they came to Toronto. They wanted to arrange a place to meet. And they had suggested a community center somewhere. But then I suggested Hollywood Gelato, which is just down the street from us. We do a lot of significant meetings there, as you probably know. <laughs> and and so they came with, her name escapes me at, at this minute. I know her name. Anyway, they came with about 20 relatives into this little, you know, ice place. cream place. Um, and one of the relatives, an aunt who has a business here in Toronto, using Skype, got connected with the, the two other siblings in Greece so that they were sitting at right a kitchen table, right that they were part the, of what uh, we did. Right in the restaurant. Yeah. And we sang songs and we brought presents and they brought presents and they, my grandsons came and they, they had something for the boys. Oh, wow. And it was really lovely. And it was very funny. At some point, we learned that they're in the fur business. And the mother said, we would have brought you fur scarves, but we were afraid you wouldn't like, you know, you didn't approve of fur. And Lois and I, like in one voice, said, we like fur. <laughs> They went, and two minutes later, they were back in with first scarves for us. You know, I have discovered recently that the furrier business is a traditional Greek trade. Yeah. I didn't know that that until recently. I know that. 
Yeah, no, yeah. neither do we. Now, you probably have more questions. We do carry on. Well, I know it's okay. I love it because you're answering all the questions that I had. Have you been, has there ever been a fan reaction that you didn't know what to do with, be it over excitement or emotional? Oh, there was barfing. <laughs> what, the little kid in the front row? Yeah. <laughs> Very excited little kid, and just before we come on the stage, she throws up. I do remember one occasion we were at the children's bookstore, which Bram has mentioned earlier. They had a beautiful place on Markham Street with a huge outdoor area, and we would sit at a table, I guess, signing autographs, or I think we were sitting on the edge of it, like on a bench rather, in front of a table. All I remember is that the crowd got closer and closer and closer, and it felt started to feel claustrophobic and I remember that because there was nothing between us yeah which is not it's not it's not usually an issue for me and which is probably why it stands out in my mind yeah. I'm trying to think any other I mean we used to have lovely times we'd leave the theater you know after washing and cleaning and all of that stuff people and still out, outside go at the back door and there'd be a hundred people waiting it was incredible but those were good things yeah that's that's rock and roll days <laughs> There was a, a news clip that was out. Um, I can't remember what it, who did it. It might have been CTV, but it was just hand over fist of records just everywhere in front of you guys, just signing and moving and bunches of kids. And it was, I mean, I hate using the word chaos, but it was just so cool to see how many records were just all over the place and kids were just wanting to be in front of you and with you. How How is how does that make you feel that's so that must be so crazy to be a part of it's fantastic but you, i like you, to see that actually yeah. i'll send it to you yeah okay the, the interesting thing is that when we did those signings afterwards it was a whole other show yeah it was a different kind of show but it was when we did on the days when we did three shows in a day like at the national arts center in ottawa and we would go out and do signings I after do each that. one. Yeah, we, uh, I said we just did six shows. Yeah, I mean it's doing a signing because you have to be patient, you have to talk, you have to. It, it takes you have to be up and on, and it takes a lot of energy. And when you've just done a show and you're tired from doing a show, coming up with that energy, but it's but. You know, it energizes, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the audience energizes you in the hall, and the audience energizes you in the lobby, too. But it's still at and, the end of a day. Yes. And after the memorial for Lois, well, of course, we missed half the audience because we were waiting in a different room. But seeing a lot of people after that. And we, I mean, we put in huge, huge effort in, in conceiving and preparing that show. Huge. We called it the Lois Palooza. <laughs> it was beautiful. It really, really was. Yes. And my daughter said, I hope you and Graham really enjoy this because it ain't happening again. <laughs> no, and you know what? It felt, it felt right to do it for Lois. Right. But it's done. I don't need it. Yeah. I don't, well, I won't care. You won't care. You won't be there. <laughs> Oh, That's a we had the benefit of being there. It's true. Yeah. So you had fifty. Let's see, sixty-five episodes of the Elephant Show and fifty-two of Skinnerink TV. Yeah, right. An insanely extensive career for children's television. Is there a series that stands out more to you guys? 
Well, the elephant show was simpler, it's a little more innocent. It was not as highly produced. It wasn't as colorful. Skinamarink TV is very, 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 very colorful. It's interesting. Yeah. That's true. The, the, the set that we worked in right. was very primary colors and bang. Whereas the elephant show was out in the woods or, you know, on the streets. It was more, much more natural. Yeah. And I think, that we, I think that we feel more connected to the elephant show. People tell us more about enjoying that than they do about the other series. The other series was, was more highly written. It had more kind of con controlled, contrived gags. Uh, it wasn't as natural. It was that's all folks. It was it was a real production. Elephant show just feels as if it just kinda happened. That's not how it came about. But that was the feel. And there's all these reboots happening on Netflix now with uh, Will and Grace and all these crazy shows. Do you ever think that the elephant show can play in today's audience? I do. We do. Absolutely. Absolutely. But will it? That's another story. You have to understand that we don't own that show. Right. So and, we don't control it. And they would, you know, the people who do control it would love that. They'd be thrilled to have played if they could figure out a way. But, the, you know, the kind of agreements that, that were structured in those days did not envision... Long life. Right. This what exists now, and you know we had a lot of different musicians, a lot of different arrangers and producers. It would be very, 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 very expensive, expensive to remount it. So it makes us very sad because that's that's what people want. But, you know, your generation people really wants that, and we would be thrilled. I mean, I don't care if we make any money from it. I just love to see it out there. I love to see the next generation sharing it with their little ones. Well, it's out there on YouTube. Yeah, but there's some pieces bits and bits some full episodes. Yeah. But, you know, people can find it. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you feel that Candlestone and Mistletoe is never re-released or continually played? Is that the same... It's also no. It, it's complicated. I think a CBC. Are, bought, you, are you talking about this TV special? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can, um, CBC bought three episodes, no, uh, three showings, right? And PBS the, it was on PBS as well. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. I didn't remember that. Briefly. The thing is that it is owned by or was owned by Broadway Video. Broadway Video. I mean, I it it just it just died in there in there. You know, we've tried. Mm -hmm. We tried a few years ago, and it. Someone said it went to I forget the name of the lawyer, and then it went to Golden. I don't know. It, it's it's a, it's a, it's a perfect mess. it's a perfect show. It should be on every year. It's a terrific message. It's I mean everything about it is good, and it kills me that it's not out there. Right, Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Right. You're such a good writer. I am. I know. And you're the first to tell me. No, I'm the first to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just so much red tape. And for those that don't understand what that is, is there a really concise way to explain that? Well, the, 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 with the Elephant Show, I think the explanation is that, that the shows were 
created so many years ago that, that the agreements that were created then don't apply to the rules now. And and that the you know the chain what you need to do to make them up make it work now would be a, a, a massive expense that the producers can't afford. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it's infuriating. It's, it is. It but, feels like there should be a way. I understand that they've struggled and tried to find ways to keep the brand alive, but they they love to. Every couple of years, we have a meeting and they try to come up with new ideas and. I mean, they like it too. Yeah, there are, you know, there are only two of us around now. Well, they could do the old elephant if they yeah. could do the old one. Yeah. And candle snow and mistletoe. I, I think it just got, it's you know, it just got, it's just sort of invisible, and it's such a lovely show. And they play Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer every year. Yes, they could surely play candles long ago. So you guys were really business moguls, if you think about it that way. You had everything from albums to LPs to cassettes to CD-ROMs, a clothing line at one point. Briefly. <laughs> Unfortunately, with, too briefly. Yeah. With three people, that has to be such different tastes of style and different tastes yes, of, yes, <laughs> <laughs> of how to package things and put things out there. What were some yeah. of those meetings like? Intense. <laughs> there were times when we had a hard time agreeing. And let me tell you, one of the hardest things was when you have three people who have to like the same one photograph. Approving <laughs> trio shots. That was challenging. There's one, that, there's one that, that's out there uh, of the trio that every time I see it, it just... And I have just such a goofy expression on my face. I don't know how I ever approved it. Somehow it got past me. It's it's one standing up. Uh, that way? Yeah. I don't know if you have it in there. Is don't look for it. Is it on an album? No, it was a PR post. Oh. Oh, there's. I remember once there was one of the pictures for one of the album covers. I think I was away when it was finally approved. And when I came back, I said to Molly Tom, who ran our business, I said, I don't like that picture of me. I looks, you know, looks like I have a. It's a, it's kind of a profile. It looks like I have a big nose. And she said, "Yeah." <laughs> I was not happy. Did that did it stay? Yes. Which was one was done. it? I think it's. I have to look. It could be um, singing and swinging. It's interesting. Um, Josh Lovelace asked me which was my favorite record. Were you there when he was asked? I don't remember. He said he adores singing and swinging. Yeah. Yeah. There's just and a sound about it that's so fantastic. But what one one of the things he particularly likes is Graham Townsend on Pallet on the Floor. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. I said to him for every for as long as we've had that album. Yeah. Every time I hear that solo, that fiddle solo, I get a rush. Yeah. It is fabulous. Yeah. And then we did Pallet on the Floor for Skin and Rent TV. We did it with Doug Riley. And that was pretty and stride like, piano. Like piano. Wow. And he said, when we were recording it, he said, that's it. I cannot do that again. He was a fabulous. He was a fabulous jazz player. And he, and he knew stride piano, but he didn't specialize in it. And it takes athletic training mm -hmm. to, to play an evening of that kind oh, of music. I can imagine. And, and he had not done that. 
he, he knew the basics, but he didn't have the muscles. Yes. He was right, fully extended right out to the end of his capabilities to was, do that one song. And it was fabulous. Yeah. What he did was fabulous. We haven't changed the words on that. I can't remember what we did about it. Because we weren't supposed to welcome strangers don't, don't to Don't turn our... a stranger from your door. People were saying, now that's a dangerous lesson to give to kids. <laughs> what did we change it to? Don't turn a friend, friend. from your door I or think something so. like that. I think we changed it to friend. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. We, we've, had some, we've had some really interesting uh, comments about about uh, language in our songs. People misinterpreting or mishear. <laughs> best one. The best one was was the the shaker hymn. Tis a gift to yes. be simple. Somebody phoned and complained that we said tis a gift to be sinful. Oh, which made us and and that that really really got her. And uh, you had to talk I her down. I phoned her. her. I phoned her. It's not sinful. It's simple. Never mind. <laughs> And we were we were chastised once in Philadelphia, the two of us, for little rabbit foo foo bop him on the head. No, no, not, no. Or that hunter Peter will rabbit. shoot me dead. Or that hunter will shoot me dead. And, yeah. and after the show, person came backstage. The the, the, the stage manager uh, came back to the dressing rooms and and said to me, or or said to us, and I said, yeah. I'll go. We both There's went. somebody who needs to speak to you very importantly. I said, fine, let's go. And it was a, a social worker there in Philadelphia. He, she said, you never do this. You never do this because it means I'm going to shoot you. And one day you may very well have a gun in your hand and shoot somebody. You never even pretend shooting anybody. She, she said, here in Philadelphia, we need to take every precaution. So we and, changed it. And I said to her, thank you very much. It never occurred to us, but I'm listening to and hearing what you're saying, and I'm taking it very seriously, and we are going to do something. About and we did. It. And we did. So we said... Help me, help me, the rabbit said, or that hunter or, will bop you on no, the head. No, or, no, a rabbit foo-foo will bop you on the head. Right. <laughs> There's a little violence there, but it's not too bad. Yeah. It's funny. Yes. So it would be such a a travesty to not talk about this person in this interview because she really was such a huge part of your career for many, many years and still will be, and that's Lois, of course. You and Lois knew each other through Mariposa? Um, No. Sharon and Lois. Okay. Knew each other. I knew Sharon, but I didn't know Lois. Okay. Until I joined Mariposa in the schools. You joined before Lois. Did I? Yes. Okay. You know what? I don't remember the sequence. I'm going to give you the sequence. The sequence is that Lois and I met through a mutual friend who knew that we were both doing music for children. Right. And Lois introduced me to her. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Lois introduced me to her Music for Children program at the library, and um, and I introduced her to Mariposa in the schools. I was one of the founders of Mariposa in the schools. And I came later. Uh, but you came, You were in Mariposa in the schools before Lois came. Okay. And uh, and this is water. Do you want it with the water? I sure. Can give it, are no, you no, sure? Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Okay. Um, 
so eventually Lois came into Mariposa in the school. And um, and Bill Usher was also involved with Mariposa in the schools. And he was a, a, a percussionist. A percussionist and um, and a producer. So there was a, the there was the suggestion that that we make that Mariposa in the shoot in the schools do an album. But because Mariposa in the Schools was an offshoot of the Mariposa Folk Festival and there was a board of directors and all that, there had to be permission. So it had to go to the board and take time. And, it, and, and that's what happened. And in the process, Bill had been talking with Lois and said, well, why don't we just do a record on our own without Mariposa? So that's how ultimately the four of us got together to do that record. So and then sometimes late, sometime later, Mitz, Mariposa in the Schools did a record. You did a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, and we were on both of them. Yeah. So that's how it began, and Bill Usher um, produced our first four records. But then, you know, he had a different vision for how, going forward than we did. His vision was more of, um, you know, being a record company, mm -hmm. and our vision was that the record company was to promote the trio. By then, we realized there was something big to promote in the trio. And we thought that that whatever energy, that you know, business energy, corporate energy, artistic energy, should be devoted to us and not diluted by bringing other artists onto the label and and uh, and promoting them. So he he wanted to do that, and so we we had uh, we said goodbye. It was not an easy and quick goodbye, but it was a goodbye. But, yeah, and we had help. We had, you know, people to help us through that process. So what do you feel like you all individually brought to a table that created the Sharon Lois and Bram sound? Probably the, the many things, but probably the variety of music that we, that we chose to bring forward. And the notion that everyone could be involved in it, you know, so at our concerts, there was, there was always, I mean, the audience participated in everything to some extent, either singing or clapping or dancing or doing actions. And I think that the, the notion that, that there was a range of music and a very high standard of music, we've been told over and over by parents that, I dropped the kids off at school and I kept playing the music. So, I mean, that's a testament to the yeah. quality of the music. As, as far as the, the, the mix, uh, musical mix among us, Sharon and I had more in common because we had come up through the through the folk music revival and we're full of kumbaya and... Uh, and better. And, well, <laughs> we came up, you know, we came up through that route. Uh, Lois did not. Lois came up through the classical music route and with a with a great interest in American show music, the American songbook. And it was a fortuitous combination because she brought something to the mix that, that we didn't have. And she learned stuff from us that she didn't have. And so it was a it was a back and forth. You know, if it hadn't been for Lois, we would not have songs like Everybody Eats When They Come to My House mm -hmm. or, or Jada. That's the, that's the kind of thing. 
and because she liked to. She <laughs> liked well, to murmur. Well, that's right. Somebody once asked us who who were your inspirations, and Sharon said, "What Pete, Pete Seeger. And I said, said uh, I said, Alan Mills and Pete Seeger. And Lois said, Ethel Merman. <laughs> I see it. Yeah, so, so it was an interesting mixture of, of musical backgrounds and styles that I think was very fortuitous, and we all learned. Now, do you guys have a favorite song that Lois sang and then a favorite song that each other has sung? I've been thinking that my favorite song that Lois sang, and it's been running through my head recently. Mm -hmm. And I sang it myself a couple of years ago at one of my concerts really? in in San Miguel. Little Sir Echoes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's lovely. We, I mean, we all knew that song. I knew that song before yeah. Lois sang it, yeah. but I did not know it with the verse. Right. Sometimes I hear that. That the the pre, the preliminary preliminary part. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that one as well. I. I I don't know. That's Lois at her folky best. Yeah, yeah. Very gentle. Yeah. And I and I think people I, I I think A you're adorable is terrific and a lot of people like that because it's accessible to the children. Yeah. Having a friend. Go walk it off. If I stand up it'll stop. Now Bram, what do you what songs has Sharon sung that you just love to have in a set list? Hmm. Um if I could have a windmill mm -hmm. yeah. with the actions, very, very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah. Um, little Arabella Miller. <laughs> oh, yes. Huh? She had a fuzzy caterpillar. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, my friend Esther, whose daughter Kara was on the elephant show. Kara has a daughter whose name is Arabella. Oh, Wow. <laughs> That's cute. I liked doing it. I haven't done it in a long time. I had an old coat. Yeah. I love that because it's about singing every day of your life and yeah. making something out of making something, something, out, of something, something out of something out of nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. And how about you, Sharon? Is there a song that Bram has put on a set list that you're, you just love so much? Well, I love when he sang, sings. Uh, um, uh, um, Candyman. I knew you were going to say that. I knew I was. Kidding. Yeah, yeah. Every every once in a while, I just slip in a, a slight alteration, and people don't hear it, but it amuses me. Which is Candyman, faulty dog. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now there was an interview that I've, I've tracked down with Pamela Wason many years ago. I think it was during uh, your promotions for Candle Snow and Mistletoe. Pamela Wason? Where is, do you know where? Uh, in uh, Ottawa, I believe. It was a late night talk show. She did a lot of political stuff, but um, Wait a minute. Not Pamela Wallen. That might be what it is. W well, she was a CBC, CBC news person. I don't remember. We may very well have. We don't remember this stuff. Anyway, yes. And I heard that there was a time you guys were doing the name game in concerts. Oh, yes. And you had a lovely gentleman's Tucker. name whose name was Tucker. Tucker. Which... Lois, Lois, drew, Lois drew Tucker. We each got to do one. 
And her, she came to the realization later than the rest of us who were on stage dying. <laughs> and this is what she did. It. She did. Tucker, Tucker, Bo Bucker, Bonana, Fen, me, my, Bo She just got quieter and quieter when she realized what was happening. We were dying. And Bram the has band, a theory. The band was going. The band was, oh, God. So here's my theory. The kid's name was really Billy, and his father said, go tell them your name is Tucker. <laughs> that was a moment. Oh, my goodness. That was a moment. That's hilarious. And I've heard you guys have just had such fun on stage. I, I remember hearing that you ordered a pizza and had it delivered to the stage. We didn't order it. The band ordered it. That's hilarious. That I mean, it was in Ottawa. Ottawa shows usually are... Our, the, our end of season shows were in Ottawa in December, and uh, there was all kinds of shenanigans. And one time, they, this is right, eh? they ordered a pizza, and it got to, the pizza guy brought it on, on stage. stage. That's so believe. funny. It yeah. was hilarious. Oh. We used to do crazy stuff like that. Crazy band they tricks. Would do crazy stuff. band tricks. I did. The old band did the, um, you know, the English. They lowered the. Um, oh, they 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 replayed a uh, scene from uh, uh, the Spinal Tap. Have you seen Spinal Tap? I have. Yeah. So one of the guys dressed up in an elf costume, and they lowered uh, a little model of Stonehenge. <laughs> into the stage. And I have a feeling that some of the people on the stage didn't know what it was all about. It could be. We also had, um, there were oh, things like pies and faces and some crazy stuff. Oh, my goodness. Crazy, crazy stuff. Well, I have some rapid-fire questions for you that I would love to ask because I feel like sometimes we don't know these little detail questions, so I want to ask them if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Favorite movie? I just saw, Sharon and I separately saw this movie. It's my favorite because it's my most recent one. Well, you don't see and, any movies. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. It's a Canadian production. It's called Maudie, M-A-U-D-I-E. Uh, and it is a terrific, beautiful story, well acted and very very gripping and touching and so right now that's my favorite well it's based on an artist by the name of Maud who's from Nova Scotia who is a, is a, a famous a world famous artist but it's a naive artist naive artist but it is about her early life she's long she's long gone but it's about her early life and and it's, it's a lovely film I'm going to see a film tonight called France F-R-A-N-T-Z and the people who recommended it to me say it is the best anti-war film that you will ever see in your life. So I'm keen to see that. I have a hard time. I see a lot of movies, a lot of movies. I, I see many, many documentaries. I belong to the, I go to the documentary festival. So it's hard for me to, if I will ask my daughter, I know what she would say. Anyway, I'm sorry. I can't give you anything more specific than that. How about a TV show? I am watching a show which comes from Australia called A Place, it's a series, A Place to Call Home, and I love it. And it's a story, it's, it's set in the 50s after the Second World War in Australia, with, and it deals with every imaginable social issue, anti-Semitism, classism, 
uh, racism, racism, uh, everything, gay, um, it's every every possible. It's what, what you call encyclopedic. It really is, and I find it terrific. And isn't it based around women? There, the women in that series are there are very strong women's voices in that series. Most strong are the women. Interesting. I love that. So right now, uh, uh, my wife Sarah and I are watching uh, Dickinsonian, which is uh, do you know about it? I don't. They've taken characters from all of the Dickens novels and put them all together into one story into a into a series. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you have you have you know Scrooge from one of the books interacting with with Miss Havisham from one of the other books oh, that's and mix them all together it's brilliant that's so cool so you need to know all the all the you know what it works it's, as a story you, no matter what yeah it works as a story no matter what you, you you know I don't know all the characters I know some of them I don't know because I would be intimidated by that with that idea yeah I'll send you a link that that gives you all the connections uh-huh how about your favorite color I have several. I like I like a lot of colors. I like a lot of purple. I also like green and I like yellow a lot. Uh, I don't I don't have a favorite color. Well, you don't do a lot of color. No, I don't do a lot of color. You like earth tones. We'll go with that. Yeah, but I don't okay, like. We that. don't like earth tones on t on uh, stage. Okay. No. No. Does <laughs> no. color on stage? Yeah. I well, yellow, yellow silk. Yes. How about your favorite candy? Right now. Well, I like cinnamon. Mm -hmm. I like cinnamon a lot. I used to have little packages of cinnamon. They're very hard to find now, but um, that's what that's that's what I have as a when I want a freshener. My favorite. Is I don't generally go for sweets, but what I like is a, a chocolate bar with good Hazel. dark, not hazelnut, almonds. Almonds. Yeah, good quality French dark chocolate. What is your favorite holiday? My family gathers on two Jewish holidays and Christmas Eve. Family, family and friends, and we gather, and and I like all of those because they're time when we are together celebrating. You know, what could be what could be better? I agree. Favorite season? I can tell you what isn't his favorite season. <laughs> cold. Yeah, I don't do cold. Mm. Choose not to do cold. I don't blame you. I think um, spring. Okay. Right now. How about right now? Yeah. 
It's really I don't lovely. know what it's like down there. It probably feels more like summer. It does. <laughs> this has been a, a kind of a late summer, a summer a late, late spring. Yeah. We've had a, mount, a ton of rain, so everything is very, very green. It's really agreeable. And when I was a kid, I used to not like fall. And I was Somehow I, it made me feel sad. But I don't feel that way anymore. I, I quite like fall. But spring is, I think, the winter. Yeah. Before it gets too hot. It's I don't want too hot. I love fall because of the leaves that change and all that stuff. So yeah, it's beautiful. Well, I am so appreciative that you guys sat down to chat with me for a little while and told me stuff that I didn't know. So that's always fun and exciting. Well, you, you, helped us, you helped us think of things that we didn't yeah. know we knew. And I can't believe that there's much about us that you don't know. I know. I was, ex- I was excited to learn some new things. Can I interest you in singing your signature song before we head out? Which one might that be? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Three Crows? So glad we've had this time well, together. Carol Burnett for the day. Carol Burnett. That's her. Her latest book, it's called In Such Good Company, and she uh, talks about her 11-year run on the Carol Burnett Show. So if you're looking for something new to read, that's a great book. She did was, you read it? I did. It's fantastic. Oh, well, that's she great. Was fantastic. Well, she is she amazing. She Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Thank you okay. guys so much. We'll be in touch soon. Okay. For sure. Mwah. Love you guys. Bye, Bye. Bye. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs>